In Munich this week, Manchester City took another stride towards a treble of Champions League, Premier League and FA Cup. Their crosstown rivals United did that in 1999 and that achievement is still talked about at Old Trafford in hushed, reverential tones. Will City have a 2023 equivalent? This weekend's FA Cup semi-final clash with Sheffield United will give us a further clue. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. People talk about my top tipping team in hushed reverential tones, and so they should. Starting with Mark O'Hare, who's been crunching the numbers in the Bet Cave so you don't have to. Mark, Manchester City putting serious pressure on Arsenal. They'll play Real Madrid in the semi-finals of the Champions League. We've got a championship side in the FA Cup semis on Saturday. This treble does seem like a realistic proposition, doesn't it? Certainly two of those trophies feel very realistic. Uh, the way in which the Premier League is being set up for Manchester City at the minute and, and Arsenal coughing up two goal leads in consecutive weeks has given them a, a very strong possibility of now going on and, and taking the title with that match next Wednesday against Arsenal now proving even bigger, really, from a, a Gunners perspective and probably, probably what it was previously. Uh, Arsenal fans will tell you it's still in their hands because if they were to go to the Etihad and get a win, um, you know, it's up to them to, to go on and see the job out. But um, I think all of us kind of neutrals or even Man City supporters do now expect City to to put their foot down. Uh, we've seen a few signs, in, in at least in the last weeks or even a couple of months, really, that Manchester City are beginning to peak for this run-in. So it does look ominous for the rest, at least domestically. Um, if you look at the FA Cup semi-final against Sheffield United, um, Stint will probably correct me or even Emmett, but um, uh, I can't think of many times when a team has been 18-1 to 1 to win a, an FA Cup semi-final at neutral venue as Sheffield United are. So uh, you expect City to reach the final. I think the Champions League is a different equation. Um, obviously, having to overcome Real Madrid over two legs uh, is going to be difficult, but uh, we saw last season City were, I think... I'm not being too dramatic to say they were hands down the better team over two legs and just uh, got a little bit unlucky really in the last uh, last few minutes. But um, um, yeah, they'll be determined. They'll be having sort of revenge on their, their minds there. And if they were to get past Real Madrid, they would be very strong favourites to then go on and lift the trophy in the final with, with either of the two Milan clubs in opposition. So yeah, it's starting to look very realistic. Um, uh, a, a very much a, a possibility, but um, I sort of reserve judgment a little bit on it just at the moment because, you know, I think we've all been burnt enough by opposing Real Madrid in the past few years. So uh, eager to see where the two teams are at when, the, when they meet in the semi-finals. Odds compiler and maths master Mark Stinchcombe back with us once again. Stinch, City the heavy favourites, obviously, for that semi-final against Sheffield United. So how do we approach that game from a punter's perspective? Yeah, I was having a look down the the markets. Obviously, uh, FA Cup semi final pinnacle of the of the FA Cup. Um, FA Cup obviously not as romantic as it used to be, but I still think it's one that a lot of people tune into. And you know, I was I was looking down. Whenever you're looking at a city game, you kind of it's almost like, well, how many are they going to win by? Whether than rather than are they going to win essentially and <clears throat> I'm never a big fan of having to overcome massive handicaps 
Um, there's a lot of um, outside influences that I think can affect it, you know, rotation, uh, fixture congestion, um, even like the neutral ven venue kind of thing, you know, Wembley big pitch, uh, obviously Man City been away to Bayern in the week, Sheffield United, uh, another tough game in their quest to, to nail that second automatic spot. So, I mean, I, I was kind of looking at... Um, Sheffield United not to score at 10 to 11, I thought looked interesting considering um, they're, they're, um, they're actually favourite to, to score. So City are, are chalked up as um, outsiders to keep a clean sheet. So I thought that was interesting considering the fact that Sheffield United are going to be without two of their attacking players that are on loan from Man City in James McAtee and, and Tommy Doyle. Now City themselves haven't excluded... Um, them from from playing it's actually FA Cup rules you're you're not allowed to play against your um your parent club despite what we've seen in the Champions League obviously with Cancelo so there's not even a decision there to be made and and yeah the two have been the two have been key for them uh, Sheffield United this season after sort of I'd say Undi up front um you know the duo have combined for 17 goals and assists uh, both top six in those metrics of Sheffield United and, and James McAtee seems to be really hitting form of late seven goals in his last 16 games so I thought that didn't really look as though it was being factored into the fact that Sheffield United are actually favourites to score rather than not to score um, and I don't feel as though it, those odds are normally a bit lower in an average Premier League game I think Leicester for example last weekend were, were 8 to 11 not to score so I just thought 10 to 11 looked looked interesting but obviously you know it's not the sort of bet that, uh, that it's very enjoyable to watch right you know especially after City might you know do some rotation or, or you know pet roulette or whatever but you know the the guys at, uh, at Betfair done I'd say a, a fantastic job again to get lots of um, interesting markets up on site early doors and I was having a look through all the other the markets and I, I thought I landed on something that uh, was was really nice it comes out of five to one and considering City are one to seven to win this FA Cup semi-final I, I thought being able to find a, a five to one bet that I was quite keen on was really good I was looking at the foul market so essentially picking three players to to commit a single foul I think that's not a lot to ask for and they're all Sheffield United players and as you expect I do do think Man City will dominate the ball and, and it'll be up to Sheffield United to how do they counter that and the three players I landed on uh, are all big prices, I think. So it's John Egan, Sander Burge and uh, Ollie Norwood. Um, they're all averaging 0.7 fouls per game or higher uh, in the championship. And if you back all those three, it comes out 5-1. to one. I, I think that's very juicy for, for, uh, um, for one defender in Egan, who obviously be tasked with, uh, with likely Haaland or Alvarez or Grealish, for example. And then you've got Sander Burge and Norwood in midfield up against the likes of uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, etc. So I really don't think it's a lot to ask that they all commit a, a foul individually. And, and for the Mavericks out there, if you go for two-plus fouls, it comes out at massive eighty to one, so wow. I think uh, I think that's quite a nice way to start the show. Who doesn't love a bit of violence to cheer on at a weekend? Uh, trader, tipster, and pillar of Irish society, Emmett O'Keefe uh, completes the betting equivalent of the Avengers. Emmett City, as we've said, heavy, heavy favourites here, and they do tend to be quite brutal against teams they're expected to beat. Absolutely, yeah. I think because Thomas Muller was talking about it in a recent kind of interview with Rafa Honigstein about um, Pep's time at, at Bayern, that his type of football is 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 kind of it's perfectly optimized for destroying lesser opposition. I think that's been, I think that's we, we've kind of consistently seen that everywhere Guardiola has been, be it Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and kind of and now and now now at Man City. 
I think they, I remember the only exception, I think they, they didn't be lost at Wigan a few years ago in the cup, but those kind of, those kind of defeats are, are, are kind of, ex- are, are, are extremely rare. The kind of ones you can kind of count, count on one hand. Um, just the, the one angle I was just thinking coming into this game is just the schedule for Man City. If you look at, if you look for the, because obviously they're in the FA Cup and they have a kind of two, a two-legged semi-final against Real Madrid, City actually don't have a free midweek until the rest of the season. So it, it, it is a bit of an edge that Arsenal do have on them and something I'm sure Guardiola will be very conscious of going into this game. So I would expect Erling Haaland to be rested here and CD playing kind of a Rico Lewis and then terrible players like Riyad Mahrez and Phil Foden. And oh, the Porsche. horror yeah, of these, it. Yeah, the yeah, horror. These, Imagine. These second-rate second players. Um, I think, I think they'll, they'll, probably, they'll, probably, they'll probably play. And I think from a kind of a betting point of view, the most interesting one is Julian Alvarez, who expect to start when Alvarez has played and Haaland hasn't, Haaland hasn't, Alvarez has been on penalty duty. He's actually four goals in his last three starts. It's funny, I think of Alvarez, I think he'd nearly start for... There's not many teams in Europe. I don't think Alvarez would start. Oh yeah, would, wouldn't start. Like, he's an absolutely outstanding, uh, outstanding world class player, and in a match against Sheffield United, which could easily be kind of a tennis score, like we saw in the previous round against Burnley. I think four to five of him to score any times more than fair. And I'd also probably have a smaller bet than him to score two or more goals at seven to two, like he did against Burnley. Yeah, I think I looked. That was the tip I came up with. I think ahead of the Burnley game, him to be him to score. I think and be involved because every time he starts, I think every time he comes on, he looks razor sharp as well. Absolutely. He's just a wonderful footballer to watch. Now, as the guys have alluded to, massive, massive game coming up in a few days' time in the Premier League, Manchester City against Arsenal. We're going to have a midweek preview of the Premier League action, including that game. And that will be, of course, the headline event. So make sure you join us for that. Premier League action are plenty at the weekend as well. Leicester face Wolves, a win for the visitors, you've got to think, would take them to within touching distance of safety. No such comfort for Leicester, though. They're second from bottom. Mark, Leicester's first home game under Dean Smith. What are we expecting? Because Leicester have looked rotten in the last few weeks, haven't they? They have, yeah. Uh, it's difficult what to make of his first game as well, considering it was away at Man City and they were blown away, really, uh, early doors. And the City effectively declared after just a third of the game with bigger fish to fry and a Bayern Munich match on their mind. So they rested all their big guns, particularly like Erling Haaland at half time, kind of went easy on, on Leicester thereafter. And Look, there were small crumbs of comfort in the second half for Leicester and the way in which they finished the game. Iannaccio scored, hit the woodwork and Madison missed a, a glorious chance too. But, um, you know, it was, they weren't really playing anyone in that second half as uh, City had declared. So difficult to read too much into it. I think we spoke about Leicester and Dean Smith at length in last week's show. None of us were particularly enamoured by the appointment. Pretty underwhelming. Um, but I guess the performance against Man City was a slight improvement because it couldn't have got much worse after the embarrassment of losing at home to Bournemouth. Um, the big question, can they survive? They, Of course, they can survive. They're only two points from survival. But, um, you know, the squad, we've talked about it almost weekly, really. They've got so much talent in forward areas, but it's not really clicking at the minute. And I think more worryingly, the defence has been an issue for, for a long, long time. But it's actually the midfield now which is starting to break down and lacking the substance of of previous campaigns because players are either declining or wanting moves away and you know it's quite an alarming cocktail really building there at Leicester and you know since the return of the Premier League on Boxing Day they've been abysmal um, two wins from 16 12 defeats no clean sheets they've accumulated eight points from 16 matches the next best is Southampton and Everton with 11 so already three points better off 
Um, that's kind of highlighting how bad Leicester have been for quite some time now and only Leeds have conceded more goals in that sample too and that's basically down to the last 10 days really from Leeds. Um, so it makes backing Leicester pretty difficult for me uh, even at those prices. Uh, so I'm quite happy to oppose them. I looked at the Asian handicap, Wolves plus a quarter, 1.82. That looks fair enough. You make money should they avoid defeat at the KP. Leicester have only won three times at home all season. They've only kept three home clean sheets and I think more damningly for a team with so much attacking firepower, they've failed to score in seven of 15 home fixtures already this season too. So you know, quite happy to oppose them. It's just how you get Wolves on side. Um, a Wolves team who are, uh, are nine points better off uh, on the back of, of sort of successive victories. They're only away losses under Lopetegui against Newcastle, Liverpool and Man City. Uh, they're 10th, if you look at the table, under Lopetegui. 16 points better off than Leicester in that sample. Uh, and only five sides have conceded fewer goals than the Wolves since the Spaniard came in charge too. So, you know, if you fancy Wolves to get on the score sheet, as we should, considering Leicester's defence and the fact that Wolves have scored in 12 of 16 under Lopetegui, you're looking at Leicester possibly to have to score twice here to have any chance of, of winning the game. So, you know, I feel it's smart to keep Wolves on side in this fixture. Um, but I'm going to go to the bed builder, Wolves double chance and under three and a half goals. Comes in at 1.84, so a slightly better price than Wolves on the Asian handicap with the quarter goal start. As I say, Leicester have failed to score in, in almost half of their home fixtures and all of Wolves' 15 away days have gone under three and a half goals this season already. So it gets a range of correct scores on side uh, and obviously gets to oppose Leicester too. Worth bearing in mind, we're making a few changes uh, to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt into promotions to enjoy the rewards available on the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner, or you can go straight to the promotions page and click opt in. There's a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com. Liverpool mercilessly tore Leeds apart on Monday night. On Saturday, they face a Nottingham Forest team that is absolutely atrocious on the road. Emmett, this feels like it could be an absolute smacking for Steve Cooper's side. And I was really disappointed with them against Manchester United. You had Harry Maguire lumbering around like a blind bear, got an early yellow card, and then they did nothing to expose him after that. It was really quite feeble. It really, it really was. Yeah, like It was interesting that the just the market kind of... My United's price drifted drifted quite a lot after those kind of after the Martinez and Varane injuries. I think the the market has as much respect for uh, the Maguire Lindelof part, partnership partnership. Lindelof did all right, but he, he did, did all right. It was almost yeah, yeah. as if he kept looking across at Maguire, going, "Why have I got to work with this guy? What is going on?" Because Lindelof I know, I know. was okay. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the thing with the, the problem with the partnership is that just they're both a bit slow, so they could they both bring the worst out of each other. I feel like. Maguire, I think, is will be bad with, with, with a lot of players. But I feel like if you've Lindelof, a Lindelof, say Martinez partnership, or Martinez a bit more pace and he cover him behind for him, I think that you you, you could see kind of a, a, a a better version of him. Um, but just yeah, b- b- back onto back up back onto Forest again, like they're. The, 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 they play the United at home. Um, when they play away from home, they're the worst team in the, the league by far. They've a minus thirty-one goal difference from fifteen wow. away ma- from fifteen away matches. Obviously, not good. When they play top half half opposition away from home, they've lost eight of those nine matches by two or more goals. And we know as well that Liverpool are a better team at home. They're they're, they're kind of more, they're kind of a Champions League level team at home and kind of a mid-table team away. And I think Liverpool are probably coming into a kind of um, coming into 
just a better form with the move of kind of Alexander Ireland, kind of a hybrid midfield role. I think he's pr- probably playing some of the best football we've seen him play in a while. I think you've with, with kind of all their attackers fit, you've a really potent bench now with Nunez, Firmino, and Diaz. And I actually think even though they're nine points back at the table, Liverpool actually have the easiest remaining fixture list in the in this in, in the league. I haven't totally ruled them out from the Champions League. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went on a run of maybe seven wins and kind of one defeat and at least made it somewhat competitive. And as, and as well, just we know Newcastle haven't been in this position before. So just I, I wouldn't be shocked if it kind of got nervy there. But for this game specifically, again, I wouldn't back these kind of massive handicaps t- too often, but given the situation, I, I will here. Liverpool minus two on the Asian handicap is around 1.9. So if Liverpool win win by two goals, you kind of get your money back. I think that's the that's kind of that that's more than enough insurance to me. I I, I could see I could I wouldn't be sure. I could see this being a kind of a five or six nil kind of defeat for Forrest and Steve Steve Cooper being sacked on Sunday evening. Yeah, it certainly seems like it's heading that way. Uh, one team that isn't heading that way, Aston Villa. They're on amazing form under um, Unai Emery. It is, of course, the Ollie Watkins Classico as Villa go to Brentford. Uh, Stinch, this is a great game. This is actually really fascinating, this, because Brentford and I know have had a little wobble, but still a good side, and Villa have been great. Yeah, they, they've overachieved a little bit, Villa, but I don't really want to take away from, from Unai Emery's achievements so far. I think they're third in the league on, on points since since Emery took over, which is a fantastic return considering he's been in charge for 18 games. Uh, they've won their last uh, five games in a row to propel them into sixth, and they're only six points off a Champions League spot. So I don't see any reason why they can't go and attack that, that spot. I don't think they'll get it because of they have been overachieving uh, a bit based Based on um, expected points, I think they're ranked sort of ninth or tenth in his in his tenure. But that's what Emery does, right? He he gets the he really gets the best out of. Um, I don't want to say average team and do Villa a disservice, but um, you know the the next echelon below sort of top class teams in the league. You know we know yeah. he gets the he gets that does sixth get, to twelfth yes. kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You get a team like Villa that were, you know, floundering in sort of 15th or whatever, and he's able to inject them and, and make them um, as good uh, as they possibly can. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, credit. He's not injecting them, by the way. He's, there's no drugs involved in what Unai Emery is doing, just to clarify. <laughs> The, the mental aspect. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> he's won 12 of his 18 games in charge. So I think that's, you know, a really good return. Um, scored 33 goals, so not far off to a game. Uh, and they, but they have conceded 20. So what that says to me is uh, there's been goals in Villa's games, essentially. Uh, 53 in those 18 games, so just under three per game. Um, so what piqued my interest here was looking at uh, over two and a half goals because it's chalked up as 19 to 20. So it's the outsider here. And... Um, you look at Brentford games this season, they're averaging 3.1 goals per game. But in actual fact, their expected goals in their matches at 3.4. So chance of even more goals, perhaps. And you mentioned, you know, they started of late and they have three straight defeats, but they're having a fantastic season in yeah. ninth. And I don't think they're the sort of team that will be, we're going to talk about this a lot in my mind in the, in the coming weeks, but I don't think they're the sort of team that will be allowed to down tools and be on the beach, essentially. So I think both teams are going to bring something to, to the party here. Um, having said that, Villa have kept clean sheet in six of their, their last eight matches. But uh, as I said, they are overachieving somewhat. And uh, during Emery's reign, they, they should have actually conceded six more goals based on expected goals. So, yeah, I'm happy to, to back over two and a half goals uh, in, in this game as the as the outsider. I like how Unai Emery has teased the Villa fans, by the way, in the last few weeks by going, 
we can't push for Europe at the moment. We have to wait. Our first thing is top 10. And he's done that for weeks. And finally, it was like the Simpsons meme where everybody's around Bart saying, say the line. And finally he went, yeah, we could go for Europe. And Villa fans are like, yay. It's taken them months to actually get there. Uh, but he actually believes they can do it now. Let's dip into the EFL, by the way. Stinch usually brings us all of our Oxford United news that we could possibly want. But actually, Mark, you're on that beat today. Yeah, um, because Barnsley are hosting Oxford uh, on Saturday afternoon. They're involved in a, a terrific four-pronged race for a top-two finish in League One. It looks like just three teams, but you can't discount Barnsley because Sheffield Wednesday are wobbling and Barnsley still have to play Ipswich as well, which could be quite a key contest in the promotion race. And they're coming along like a train at the minute. Their form has been superb for a long time now, uh, particularly at Oakwell, uh, where they've been almost flawless for, for many months. They've won eight on the spin at home in League One. They've won 12 of the last 13 at home as well. And that includes victories over the likes of Plymouth, Wednesday, Derby and Portsmouth. So high flyers, they got the better of. Lesser lights, they're beating as well. Um, they scored twice or more in 12 of those 13 victories. And they scored three goals or more on seven occasions as well. So, you know, I'd almost fancy their chances of beating anyone at Oakwell these days at the price of 1.8, which is what they are. I mean, irrespective of, of the opponents, but the fact that it's Oxford... Uh, Stinch's beloved Oxford, who are in the midst of a, a relegation battle. Um, quite a lot to unpack, but I think Stinch has done that pretty well over the last few weeks. So I'll just keep it to the raw numbers because they're not very pretty. They did pinch a, a point against Portsmouth in midweek and, and a, a pretty decent performance by all by all stretches. But um, winless in 16 now, 10 defeats. Uh, their record since mid-November, three wins, nine draws, 12 defeats. They failed to score in 9 of 16. They've scored more than one goal just once in 16. Four away wins all season. Uh, 10 defeats from 15 when facing the top when facing the top 15. And they failed to score in six of seven trips to the top eight as well. So, as I say, it's, it's not necessarily an anti-Oxford bet, but it, it certainly helps. It's much more of a, a pro-Barnsley bet because at 1.8, I think they're a, a really good thing to come out on top. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org to the Bundesliga. Friday night glamour. You ready for this? It's Augsburg against Stuttgart. I think we're going to have goals here. I was really quite staggered to see that over two and a half goals is priced at 1.89 on the exchange. Because if you look at their games, I think 13 of the last four, 13 of the last 19 for Augsburg have had at least three goals. That's 14 of the last 19 for Stuttgart. Basically, neither of them can defend. And so that, I think, is going to lead us to quite an exciting game on Friday. It's a relegation battle, and I think they'll both see it as an opportunity to go and get three points. Stuttgart's two league games since Sebastian Hernes took charge. 3-2 win at Borkham. 3-3 draw, which is utterly bonkers last week, against Borussia Dortmund. And Augsburg have been scoring lots of goals and conceding lots of goals in the last few weeks. Elsewhere, it's going well at Bayern, isn't it? They've been dumped out of two competitions since Thomas Tuchel replaced Julian Nagelsmann. I said it was a stupid thing to do, but there we go. The two points ahead of Dortmund in the Bundesliga. They're not playing well. They go to a Mainz team that hasn't lost in nine games. Emmett Bayern looks short to me at 1.6. Could we give Mainz a bit of a cushion on the handicap here? Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd uh, echo everything you said and just add it to that. I think just it's a really bad spot for Bayern. Like if, if you anyone who watched the Man City v 
the Bayern v Man City, the, the, the pressing, the kind of the effort in terms of Bayern's pressing that they put into that was absolutely huge. If, if there was ever going to be kind of a letdown, a, a, a kind of a, a, a letdown after a match, I think it will be on Saturday in terms of kind of a relatively quick turnaround. As you said, like mine's in football, like nine nine games, it's not a perfect sample size, but nine games are reasonable sample size. In that nine games, mine's have been playing like clo- close to a Champions League level side in terms of having having 19 points from those nine matches and they've kind of convincing away wins at Bayer Leverkusen and Orby Leipzig in that period. I think, as you said, kind of Bayern are, Bayern are far from the kind of finely oiled machine that kind of blows past decent Bundesliga opposition. We saw that when they were held one all at Hoffenheim last week. And just, and, and just the, as you said, it, it's just, it's just, it, it's kind of an unprecedented situation where you have a team who was kind of having issues, but like had dominated the Champions League and were still, yeah, like the, Bayern weren't a team that looked like they, that they needed to change a manager, I would say, in, in Julian Nagelsmann. It was more like you want to see the season play out and then make a judgment then. Because it was, I think in terms of the job he was doing, it was maybe a six and a half out of ten. But it wasn't a, it wasn't, or, or like you can, you can take it either how you want, but it wasn't, it was kind of, he was doing a reasonable job. We were kind of, we were kind of going to see how it ended up. We didn't get a chance to see how it ended up. And now they're kind of trying to adapt to it. Thomas Tuchel, who's a very different type of coach. And it's just at the kind of business end of the season. So that brings with its own challenges and its own variants. And given all of that, I can't have Bayern as I kind of saw under, under 167 to win the game here. If you're, if you're an acupuncture, I'd back mine's winner draw double chance at around seven to five in the sports book but if you back it on the exchange you can get mines plus one at around 1.9 so you've a bit of insurance there if Bayern win by one goal you get your money back so I think that's that's that that's the way I'd play it here it was 195 when I looked just before uh, coming on here so I, I like that very much uh, for all the reasons you've listed and I think as well Ludovic Ajork up front for Mainz he's an absolute brute of a man and he's playing wonderfully he scored in five of his last seven uh, and they've really adapted to playing with him they haven't they haven't done that Mainz very much they haven't had a, a target man they've generally had quicker guys like Onisivo or Burkhardt but they've managed to adjust to having a really big pivot and attack uh, very quickly indeed uh, in the Premier League Ailing leads, not Luke Ailing, just ailing leads in general, uh, go to a Fulham side that has just upended Everton. Uh, Stinch, Fulham should be in beach mode, but they weren't last week. They're quite a dangerous team with the get going. Yeah, ailing, ailing, and miserable Meslier, right? Yes. Where, where, where <laughs> do we, where do we start with Leeds United? Like, I think we gave a pretty good uh, breakdown of, of where where we thought they were at under Garcia, despite the fact he had three wins, one draw, and three defeats. <clears throat> I think we we basically alluded to you know there could be there could be a big defeat coming, and that's what happened against Liverpool with that with the with the six one. And again, you know, you look at the the, the goals conceded in, in the from a data perspective, six goals conceded, only two point six five expected goals. So again, Mr. Meslier moving even closer to minus thirty five post shot expected it's goals is just incredible. I do feel right? sorry for him. Yeah. it's like he's got no defence in front of him. It's exactly, bizarre. exactly. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I think it was Andy Hinchcliffe that was doing the game, and he was like, with twenty minutes to go, he's like. 
when Leeds were, what, 5-1 down or something, it's like, Leeds are going to have to shut up shop here because actually goal difference could be massive, you know, come the end of the season, like, you know, falling into the relegation zone. And he's absolutely right. And how alarming is that, that, you know, their, their goal actually, rather than to maybe score or give themselves a bit of pride, in his opinion, and I can kind of get on board with it, was actually yeah, yeah. they need to shut the game down even more. It's like well, they lost incredible. 5-1 at home to Palace, which yeah. in some ways should be instant relegation. Yeah. Maybe even well, the club should be disbanded immediately when that happens. Yeah, Much as I, I like Palace and Roy Hodgson, they don't <laughs> score five very often, do they? No, and I think there's, there was a run during that Leeds game where the back-to-back with Palace, where the last 10 shots on goal had all gone in. And uh, obviously that <clears throat> that isn't sustainable. But as we say, the fact that they concede in barrage of shots, then these these uh, instances are gonna be more likely to happen than not. And um, yeah, so I I don't really want to um, uh, maybe complicate matters by. Uh, maybe betting on Fulham. We know Fulham haven't got Mitrovic, for example. Uh, although you could argue maybe 13 to 10 is attractive. Maybe you could bat Fulham minus a quarter. But yes, I'm always wary with Fulham not necessarily anything to play for. And I do think they are a candidate for this on the beach. But uh, what's piqued my interest, and I don't think is anything reinventing the wheel, is to bat goals, essentially. We know Fulham are generally quite goal-heavy matches. And um, yeah, I'm feeling even more confident this morning because when I, when I looked previously uh, over to have goals of four to five it's now uh, almost 10 to 11 so it's almost um it's actually 50 50 in terms of the market on on betfair so yeah very happy to back overs overs in leeds last six games and you know that's obviously six of gracia's eight games in charge so that's healthy to see and we know how bad they are defensively you can see at least two or more goals in five of those six and fulham we know they went through a period after having been very goal heavy at the beginning of the season we know when they went through a period post world cup where they were low scoring their matches before the last five now overs and it's uh, 67 percent for the season so very healthy in my mind and yeah you look in terms of expected goals Fulham's matches averaging 3.33 per game leads well north of three at 3.19 so I don't think that we're asking a lot here for for over two and a half goals as when it's chalked up 50 50 and obviously I mentioned no Mitrovic and I think it's really interesting to see actually in the nine games he hasn't started six have still gone over 2.5 goals and obviously that was encapsulated in their victory at Everton last weekend imagine if Melier ever joins a club where he doesn't have to save a shot every four minutes he'll be yawning he'll be getting bored he'll be getting a paper in you'll find it very jarring i imagine if he ever plays in front of a uh, or behind a decent defense in sport what's just as important as the goals the glory the roar of the crowd yes it's the halftime break time for a breather a reset to keep everything on track in sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Now, it's the pop culture phenomenon everyone is talking about, and I mean everyone. It's the positive PR that Scotland needs as the SNP get arrested one by one. It is Mark O'Hare's Scottwatch. Oh, aye. It's Scottwatch. Take it away, Mark. 
Yeah, um, Scottish League Two, obviously top of the menu again this weekend uh, on Saturday north of the border. Uh, the Titanic match, really, this between Stranra and Elgin, uh, both languishing towards the bottom end of the table, five and four points respectively off the bottom, which is three games to play. So it's quite an important meeting, both unlikely to be dragged into it. But if they were to lose this, it becomes uh, very, very dicey. Uh, the market, uh, I think, is a little bit strong on Stranra to win this match. Um, they were hammered 8-0 last weekend at East Fife and have now failed to score in four. Just one win in seven, four wins in 16 going further back. And it's also just one win in six at home. And that resulted in their managerial sacking this midweek. Um, will they get a new manager bounce? I think it's possibly unlikely because um, my Scottish scout, Jerry, told me that Stranra could be down <laughs> to the... Where's Jerry come from? <laughs> Has Jerry been involved all along? Has he been hired because Scottwatch is going well? What's Jerry's deal? <laughs> Jerry is a, a long-term uh, scout, shall we say, who, uh, yeah, incredible knowledge of the Scottish game. Um, but he tells me that uh, Stranra could be down to the bare bones this weekend as well. So in that 8-0 defeat last week, they only had four subs, one of which was their assistant manager. Uh, just wonderful stuff. But uh, Amazing. their centre-half, veteran centre-half Scott Robertson, was sent off and will now be suspended. They also lost to injury their midfielder Aaron Brown and a 17-year-old striker on loan from Kilmarnock. Dylan Forrest uh, both came off injured. So, you know, major doubts now for the weekend as well. Um, Elgin, on the other hand, sort of stopped the rock by sacking their own manager and have picked up four points from the last two games, put in some decent performances against some good opposition as well. So they look a little bit out overpriced here in this match, but we can go into the bet builder and back Elgin double chance and over 0.5 goals, which comes in at 1.85. Um, Elgin have already won at Stranra this season and combined the two teams have played 66 league games. 64 of those have featured at least one goal. So if Elgin are to avoid defeat, it's unlikely to be nil-nil. Um, so that's that. Culture Corner. Um, is Jerry involved in Culture Corner as well, or this is just you, is it? This is 100% O'Hare production. Okay. Um, <laughs> it takes a lot of unpacking this. Far too much time of my week is spent on Culture Corner. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, Stranra, they're from Dumfries and Galloway, which is um, southwest Scotland, lovely part of the world. Founded back in 1870, uh, which makes Stranra the third oldest football club in Scotland behind Queen's Park and Kilmarnock, and actually one of the 20th, 20 oldest football clubs in the world, which is a, a hell of a feat to be proud of. Um, they also hold the record for the longest continuously used shirt sponsorship deal with Stenoline uh, and previously Sealink. Um, Wonderful. On their shirts since 1988 89. Um, sea Lion. Sea Lion. Sea Lion. <laughs> the brand? Sea Lions. Are the Sea Lions you <laughs> know, nah, steering nah. the ships? Is They've that what the they do? No. Boring nickname, just blues. But um, yeah, they. Um, Stenderline basically have been there for over 30 seasons, which is quite incredible. Uh, basically, there used to be a, a very popular sort of sea link to Northern Ireland from Stranra, but uh, the port has been moved a few miles north. But the, the sponsorship and the relationship is still ongoing. Um, and also, the town is pretty synonymous with uh, curling, as we know Scotland's pretty fond of that oh, sport. Yes. It's a centre of excellence for, for Scottish curling. Uh, Harry McMillan, a former world champion, still lives in the town. Uh, and actually, Stranra boasts the first and only hotel in the world with an indoor curling ice rink. So that's this is pretty badass, isn't stuff. it? What does yeah. a curling rink... So guests get to do a bit of curling. It's pretty cool. Um, I myself, yeah. to be honest. Stranraer's so good. It's been quoted in Peter Kay's famous Phoenix Knight, yes. Phoenix Knight series. Yes. And also Alan Partridge as well, who uh, 
refers to a caller, a caller as uh, the Duchess of Stranra, and no such title exists. So uh, yeah, that's Culture Corner featuring Stranra. Lots go, lots of good stuff going on. I genuinely there. feel like this might be the biggest boost to Scottish tourism in the twenty first century. You know, no, nobody's shining lights on these places like you are, Mark. And Jerry now. Thank you to Jerry. We didn't know about Jerry. We now know about Jerry. I'm delighted. To Jerry's a great guy. The case. Super stuff. We might have to get Jerry on between <laughs> now and the end of the season. Uh, finally, it uh, seems like an anticlimax now, but the podcast Treble, <laughs> uh, a betting feature so revered that a set of American triplets in Kentucky got a tattoo each of Mark, Stinch and Emmett on their backs. It was really quite extraordinary. Uh, I will put the video up uh, on Twitter. It doesn't exist. It's not a real thing, but don't worry about that. Um, how this works, by the way, is the three guys each come up with a selection from the weekend's action. And lovely traders like Emmett wrap them up in a boosted treble for you. Who will I start with? I'll start with Emmett, actually. Yeah, tricky one. I'm, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go for Atletico Madrid winner draw double chance, on the, which, which will be on the Sunday podcast, which as everyone knows is where the, where the cool kids go. All the cool kids go to the Sunday show. Only the dweebs purely listen to this show and don't bother with the Sunday show. Do you want to be a dweeb? Is that what you want? No. Well, listen to the Sunday show as well. Stinch, what have you got for us? Yeah, we've been a bit unlucky. Hit the hit the post the last two weeks with two out of three. I'm going to go for Fulham v Leeds over two and a half goals because it's drifted from four to five to nearly 10 to 11. So I think that's a real solid one to throw in. Nice juicy uh, part of the treble there. And Mark, take us home. Uh, I've already mentioned it, but I'll back Barnsley to win. Um, it's hard to say Barnsley without sounding like you're from Barnsley in South, yes, South Yorkshire, isn't it? Barnsley. I mean, you didn't, sa- you didn't sound like you were from Barnsley there, really. No, Do it again, like Mark. Barnsley. No, no, you're putting it on there. Second time around. <laughs> Barnsley. You've added a bit more. He's from Barnsley. Okay, fine. Um that sounds like a very good bet, by the way. I'm very confident about that treble, which is probably a very bad sign. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of excellent preview content and tipping pieces on our website, betting.betfair.com. You don't just get Premier League, you get EFL, you get all of the major European leagues as well. And as I said, if you've listened to this brilliant that's a great start but you don't want to be labeled a dweeb by just ignoring the sunday show go over to the sunday show it's really good from emmett from mark from stinch and from me it's goodbye for now